there is a hidden commandment. And I'd like to speak about that today because it's one that doesn't get a mention in the Ten Commandments, but it's being indicated right throughout the Scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, especially in the Prophets and in many Psalms. And I have references there in the notes. But in the New Testament, the commandment is stated as, be anxious for nothing. And we read this in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So it is about trusting God and having the peace of God instead of the peace of the world, which is what Jesus stated to his disciples. That's what he wanted us to have. Not the world's peace, my peace. <laughs> this becomes a fervent commitment that God wants us to make. Not only for our own sakes, but also for him, this trusting and putting everything in his hands. And it's for him because he wants to see us developing the loving and trusting relationship with him, which is what he desires above all else. That's why we're here. To know him, be known of him. But we happen to be living in a time when there's a pressing need globally, perhaps above any other time, if you count the numbers when I say globally, for people to appropriate God's peace. The elusive peace of the world is the illusion that you can remove any threat to your safety and security and satisfaction in your personal world if you're tough enough or smart enough or lucky enough. You can do it. You can make things work for you. That's an illusion. But the problem is, it's a well-known fact that if you watch or listen or read about any form of news media these days, it's mostly an experience of hearing about all the bad things that are happening. Even when good things happen, the media does not tend to report them, let alone feature them, because the bad news gets more attention. And getting more attention in a competitive industry like news media means more success, more followers, and more influence. And that's the way the world works. So that if you get to the top of the ladder in getting the influence, you feel this sense of peace. That's not peace, that's relief. I made it until the next bloke gets a little bit higher. That's the peace of the world. So there are good things that are happening, but the bad things make the news. So pursuing the peace of the world, it's problematic, it's complex, 
It's elusive and ultimately false. It's a false promise. And all this, of course, gets magnified in social media. Can you imagine what the world is copying in news content? Bad news. Now, there is something that is called, psychologically, the negativity bias. And it is that when you give attention to a negative experience, even if it's overwhelmingly surrounded by positive experiences, it will cause a longer-lasting negative emotional impact upon us than all the positive experiences. It's built into being a human being. Our defence against what can go wrong. For example, if you work with ten people and nine of them say good things about you, and one is always speaking negatively about you, guess what will keep you awake at night? That's the negativity bias. Now this condition of anxiety and uncertainty because of negativity bias is the state of our global emotional existence. The state of emotional uncertainty today, particularly in times of trying to manage a global pandemic. Now, we are all receiving this. It's not like we're looking for bad news, but we are on the other end of all of these things happening. But what we need to deal with is that negativity bias and understand not just that there are good things happening, but that God is doing more good things than bad things overwhelmingly in our lives. So as I said, good things are happening, but bad things make the news. Now, I'd like to just, to some extent, offset the effect of negative bias by presenting some unnoticed global facts that don't make headlines in the media. These are some of the many good things that have happened over the last 40 years that go unreported. And there are plenty of sources for this information, but a handy little compendium of facts can be found at Our World in Data on Google. Just look at that. There are many other sources. But here's just a handful of good news items. Just talk about natural things. Global absolute poverty has decreased from 1980, when it was 40% in the population, to 10% in 2020. Starvation has been dramatically reduced in India and Africa and China, but the reduction is by the introduction of better, in many cases better and stronger, varieties and strains of the wheat grasses. In third world countries, that has actually on, on its own solved much of the starvation problem. They found ways where there were tiny little wheat strains that just wouldn't, couldn't sustain individuals. Now communities after communities are being able to be fed. Now, that's a scientific breakthrough, but it's a reality. It's good news in the natural world. And despite the 
fear of overpopulation in the 1970s. Do you remember the kinds of the fearful anxiety that was planted in us? I remember preaching about it, saying there's going to be starvation and we'll run out of resources and food, but don't panic because God will provide. And there were people storing stuff. Remember the stories in the 70s? Well, despite the fear of overpopulation in the 1970s and the threat of running out of resources, the world population has grown by 70% over the last 40 years. And that has resulted in more wealth, better health and disease eradication and less starvation. There are also many countries over the last 40 years that have a more sustainable lifestyle balance regarding health and longevity and well-being. And there are no horizons to these improvements because of technological advancement and global agreement about doing some good things. So they're just natural things. The greening of the planet. The Sahara Desert back in the 70s I remember in 76, they said that it was going to, in a few years, double, and that would just denude that area of the planet. It has actually been regrassed by 8, 8% instead of doubling in its own uh, dust hole. It is being regrassed. 35% of America. Has been, has been reforested in the last 40 years. And 15% of China has been reforested. In fact, the area of reforestation globally is over 2 million square kilometres. And many of these things are there to know, but they're not being reported. They're hidden good things. But focusing upon the bad news creates an enormous amount of personal anxiety. Now, I'm not talking about so much the global issues that we do get presented with in a bad news perspective. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our own lives. The amount of personal anxiety and social instability because of the pressure to have to overcome so many obstacles in our own lives that threaten our inner peace. Not just in regard, as I say, to world news, but things that touch the anxieties within our own personal emotional lives and spiritual lives. Because we carry the burden of our own personal situations. Things that are difficult to manage. And the burdens of those we care for. So I want to put to you that the, the hidden good news in the world, we've talked about natural things, the bad news, and then the hidden good news, and even if it were published, the negativity bias would say, I want you to worry more about the bad stuff. That's us. That's a reflection of the hidden good news of our personal faith. That's hidden. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the assurance of God's activity in the world of the unseen. It's the evidence of things not seen. That word things, pragma, is activity. 
Our faith is the assurance that God is actively working in the world of the unseen, doing what? Bad things? Good things! That is faith. But we still get drawn in by devious negative bias in our own emotional and spiritual lives. So we have a hidden commandment. Be anxious for nothing. And our natural mind says, impossible. It surpasses all understanding. You've got it. It's called the peace of God. The word for gospel, which means good news, is lingelion. Lingelion. I won't try and spell it for you. In ancient times, this was the traditional message of victory that was dispatched by the conquering kings and rulers on a charter. I had a scroll, good news, and that had to be declared to all the citizens in the region that victory had been gained, the king has won. And that would mean that everybody could now live in peace. They'd received the good news, the gospel. So when you're reading the Bible in the New Testament about the gospel going out, it's the very same word. The king has won. Right. We've won a victory. We live within the blessing of the gospel of peace. That's where we live. Nothing can invade what God has placed within us if we've heard the good news, and I know what the good news jolly well is, then we can live a life that you can call being saved. The king has saved us now, here and now. Now, there is a way to predispose our mind to God's perfect peace. Whatever the problematic or dismal conditions are that exist, we can't just imagine some set of flawless and ideal circumstances and direct how everything should behave so that we won't have one single problem in the world or that nobody will behave in such a way as to cause us any disturbance. We can't do that. What this perfect peace requires is for our hearts to be awakened to God's perfect peace under any imperfect conditions. Then we can bring that peace into any situation and respond with effective action rather than out of reaction of fear and anxiety. That's why the gospel, the good news, is there to transform our lives. So how does our heart get awakened to God's peace? Well, peace means oneness, the word irony, and that is the key. We share God's life through the Holy Spirit, and he awakens us, to the peace and oneness of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At any one moment, that's what's there happening. If you capture any one second of time, that is what's happening. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. So how can we live, though, as though our problems or affliction is something to not worry about? I've just said that the Holy Spirit is there awakening us that he's there. But what do we do now? 
We've got to start thinking and believing something. And that is, we believe that someone else is taking care of giving us the peace and sorting things out. Someone else is doing that because we can't control it all. So how do we know that they're going to sort it out the way we want it? We don't. Now we talk about real faith here. It's not a matter of getting everything the way we want it. We have to trust that the person we hand the care over to will do the sorting out in their own perfect way. I'm not talking about the peace of the world here. If we want to get what we want to get the peace of the world, we'll do it our way. We'll get it for a day, maybe, until the competitor comes up or more bad news. I'm talking about the peace of God. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Not only he cares for you, he cares for you. This is a commitment. Now, what are we committing? We commit our strategy of sorting it out to someone else. It's like if you saw an ad in the paper, if you've got any problems, I will strategize and sort them out for you. Guaranteed. Take my money. Take my money. The strategic activity is now being planned by experts. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what do we do? Do we forget about the whole thing and ignore what's going on? No. No, we're in the middle of stuff. We attend to the situation responsibly with a new measure of patience and calm, confident that God is strategizing situations for us in the hidden world of the unseen where the hidden good news is, then we stay on the alert to respond to any signpost that is a pointer to act upon or to speak into the situation. As it, as it evolves, it's developing. One signpost may simply lead to another signpost. I was looking for how to have this situation, this condition diagnosed. Got to find the right doctor. Prayer, pray. Ah, God gives a signpost. You get there. Well, that's not the end of the prayer. <laughs> what happens next? Well, there's another signpost. This is how we're going to treat this situation. And you're praying through the situation, knowing that You've got experts strategizing in the background for your life. So one signpost can lead to another signpost. But our patience in this, as we patiently trust, is our sign of persistence in prayer. You know, you've read the scripture. You must persist in prayer. That is not persisting that God will, you can claim what you want God to give you. I'm persisting, you'd better give it. No, it is persisting in continuing to bring before him our faith that he has it all in hand for his outcome. We have an anointed guide. I mean, Father, Son and Holy Spirit are all working in this together. But the Holy Spirit teaches us as we go forward. 1 John 2, 27. 
The anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. That is your, your helpline. Ring, ring Fred up. He'll tell you exactly what to do now. Can't get Fred. He's got too many phone calls coming in. I imagine he would. Everybody wants him to sort out as you go. Now, there's no man to teach you in your personal situation. There is the Holy Spirit. The anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Now, there's a key. Abide in him. And peace like a river can start. So there are actually more good things than bad things happening in our lives when you start to see things this way. You see that by faith. That everything is working together for God's best for our inner life and inner peace when they're placed in God's hand. That's what I'm talking about. The inner life, the inner peace. I'm not talking about things. I'll get to things in a minute. As we trust him and partner with him in this way, there are many other things that God is reordering in his hidden way in the circumstances of our lives and in the lives of those we care for. We just couldn't count the number of things that happen that organise a situation for you to land in. Think, how did this happen? It's happened. It's been arranged. The transformation of our inner lives involves God helping us overcome the hopelessness of the past, because all we can think about, especially with the negative bias, is how many times we've failed to get the peace of the world, really. And that's a downer. But God helps us to overcome the hopelessness of the past to open us up to the hopefulness for the future. That's how we live. That's our living hope. That overcomes anxiety. It surpasses what our mind can grasp about overcoming anxiety because my mind doesn't grasp it and it allows faith and trust in God's hidden power in us that surpasses all understanding that's the peace of God and the moment we take anxiety back into ourselves we've stopped having faith I know it immediately whoops where was I? I want to get back there again. I'm anxious again. Oops, all right. Still here. And think, because things start looking bad again. And so we end up persevering in our anxiety instead of persevering in faith. It's so easy. Oh, I can sort this out. Faith is about what God is strategically doing, not what we are anxiously claiming what he should do. Faith is about God's activity, not ours. He gives, we receive. Philippians 4, 6, let me read it again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you're already given your thanks, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we pour our anxiety to God and let him pour in his peace. We can bring to mind what I talked about last week and have for many years, actually. Be still and know that I am God. <laughs> what about that 10-second pause of be still and know that I am God? Those precious segments of time, times of attention, 
And if they're applied more frequently and faithfully in our lives, and takes practice, it allows us to live more and more in the peace of God, being anxious for nothing. I call this presence prayer. It's just there. I uh, had an interesting experience yesterday. I went to a football match. I haven't been to one for oh, I don't know, a couple of years. <laughs> and uh, I was in very good company. And I was asked a question. Is fasting good to do spiritually? And I was able to answer with what I believe fasting is and does. My response was, fasting is not a supernatural activity, but it's a spiritual discipline in the sense that it brings us to the place of letting something go so that we can draw closer to God. There's an end point. I mean, it's got a lot of good things for your health as well, but I'm talking about spirituality. Fasting is not transactional, as in telling God, I'll fast so that you can do this for me. That's somehow how it's often been couched. Letting go of something of self is the opposite of wanting to add something to self. Now think about it. Think about the things you want to add to yourself. I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. What are you adding to? You're adding to yourself. What if you kind of start thinking about letting go of something of self? And be careful, this is not transactional, like fasting, letting go of food. We don't let go of things in order for God to add another thing to us. Now, I want you to listen carefully. It sounds subtle, but it's so real. You don't let go of something or do something for God so that he can, he can add something to you. We let go of things in order to gain Christ. Let the penny drop. Christianity has become too transactional. I'm talking about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. A commandment that's hidden. So the person that asked me about whether fasting was a good thing to do spiritually, I said, it's something to let go of in order to gain Christ. That means food, it means time, it means anxiety. That is the cross bringing about resurrection. You gain Christ. So now we ask ourselves the question, how much do we want to gain Christ? Or how much do we want things? All right, now, you can say, well, okay, we're going to stop eating, stop using our minds, and stop solving problems. No, 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 I'm not saying that. Our lives, you don't stop eating, you don't fast from now on forever. This is a discipline that you know when to apply and how to apply. We still eat, we still use our minds to solve problems and be creative. We live a balanced life of thanksgiving for the blessings in our lives. When I was at that footy match yesterday, I was in great company, including the Lord's. He was there. I didn't leave him 
Um, so this is my deal. <laughs> Psalm 16, 11, David says, at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I enjoyed the company. I enjoyed the match. We lost the game. I didn't really worry. I cast that anxiety upon the Lord. Didn't worry me. It was too good. It was a blessing to be there. We can bring something into each and every situation in order to get God's peace. And there are three things I want to just finish with. We bring a reality regarding the facts. Look out for that negative. Get the facts right. You've got to bring that in. We bring in a plan of action and we bring in a commitment to persevere. Now, reality regarding the facts. Face what's happening now in your life. As something that, that just is. It is there. Face it. But the, the negative bias is a cunning ally of darkness and it will try and make you think God's forgotten you. No, this is happening. But get the facts. There are good things happening. Afflictions and challenges are part of the pattern of real life and different challenges happen to us at different stages of life. They're going to happen. Where these things occur, God's grace does much more occur. That's the hidden good news. Where bad things happen, God much more abounds in good things. But it's hidden. You have to get aside and gain Christ and know that he is God doing that. So you need a plan of action. So you attend to the situation responsibly. You trust that God is at work doing the hidden good things that are needed. You don't give up simply because we're aware of how weak we are. His strength is made perfect in weakness. In fact, it's the best way to decrease and let him increase. Which is the end point. Self or the new self. So we were able to let his strength be made perfect in our honest confession of our weaknesses. Don't be ashamed. Then a commitment to persevere. Commit to continually returning to that place of trust when anxiety tries to overwhelm you. Let's just pray. We come to you now, Lord, that we may let go of things that we may gain you and your peace. You are our peace. In Jesus' name, amen.